Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, fellas? Welcome back to Commas Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Oh my goodness, you guys. Today has to be one of my favorite episodes I've done in a really long time, maybe of all time. And it is with global head coach of Nike running, Coach Bennett, or Chris Bennett. But he goes by Coach Bennett pretty much. I'm sure you guys are familiar with him because if you have ever used the Nike Run Club app and you've done a guided run, he's the one that narrates the majority of those runs. He's a very calming voice. Honestly, I want him to be in my ear every time I go running because this episode not only motivated me, but it also just kind of grounded me. And it just made me even more passionate about running, just talking to someone like Coach Bennett, who is obviously super passionate about the sport of running and all levels of running. Anyways, I really hope you guys enjoyed today's episode because I know I did. Before we get into today's episode, I want to talk about one of my new sponsors of the podcast, Open. Open is a digital mindfulness platform combining breathwork, meditation, and movement. I cannot tell you guys how many times people have told me to start doing mindfulness practices. I have talked nonstop about how high my cortisol levels are. I've talked to my therapist about it, obviously people in my personal life about it. The number one thing people have told me to do is get into a mindfulness and meditation routine. And when I discovered the app called Open, it has changed the game for me. I wake up, the first thing I think about, coffee. Obviously, it's the name of this podcast. But before I allow myself to have my coffee, I wake up to my alarm, I grab my phone, and immediately open the Open app. They have a bunch of different classes under 10 minutes, so it's been super easy for me to like start a routine and stick with it. With meditation and mindfulness, I can get really overwhelmed, especially starting out, because my thoughts are racing and I can't imagine meditating for 30 minutes. So every single morning I've been doing a five to 20 minute breathwork class to clear my head and my racing thoughts and just get me ready for the day before I have my coffee. Cause I will have my coffee. You know, if, there, if there's something about me, it's that I will have my coffee in the morning. I immediately have been feeling more energized and just level headed with a breathwork class from open because it just sets me up for a great day. I do the meditations in bed because I'm lazy and <laughs> It's just really easy for me to do that first thing when I wake up so that I don't have any distractions going on. I also do them at night because I am very wired at night, probably because of the caffeine consumption I have throughout the day and I'm just an energetic person. So I love to do the meditations in bed. They really help my entire body relax and put myself to sleep super quickly. Like I said, mindfulness can be a really overwhelming topic and to start out it can almost be intimidating so what i love about open is that it's designed for all levels and it's just the easiest way to get into a routine they also have unlimited live and on-demand breathwork meditation yoga pilates and more which means that you can connect directly with your teachers during in-class live streams so let's take a class together join me open is giving combos over cold brew listeners 30 days free when you visit withopen.com cold brew Again, you can join me on Open by going to withopen.com slash coldbrew. Let me know what you guys think. I'll see you in class. Now let's get into today's episode with Coach Bennett.
Okay, Coach Bennett, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. You've been requested many a time from my audience, who I'm sure listens to you on the Nike Run Club app. So I'm excited to uh, pick your brain a little bit. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Excited yeah. to be here. Do you prefer to be called Chris or Coach? Because I didn't know what to refer to you as. <laughs> it's actually, it's weird. It's, it's now, it feels awkward to be called Chris, which is weird considering that's my name but yeah. yeah it's it's there's there's a few people that still call me chris and i'm related to them so it's <laughs> coach is coach is fine it's i it, i'll probably delay my reaction to my answer if you do say chris so i'll be like who is she talking to i thought it was just <laughs> us so coach is good okay that sounds good um you are the global head coach of nike running that's a pretty legit title that's that holds a lot of value I don't know if it holds a lot of value. It sounds impressive, but you know, that, that's, that doesn't mean that I'm impressive. It's just the words, the words sound cool. You know, I would have gone for something like, you know, almighty something or other, but I guess, you know, global coaches is, is fine too, but it's uh, fine. yeah, it's the, the word coach is, is the coolest part of the title. Yeah. Well, I was talking your LinkedIn too. You're also the senior director of Nike Global Running. So that one is also pretty legit. Yeah, it's not as, that's, that, I, I like the coach one better. The coach, <laughs> the coach title's more impressive, you know? Yeah. Well, we're going to get into a lot of the coaching stuff, but what, I'm just curious, what your, what is like your main role at Nike beyond the coaching element? Um, well, I mean, I work in Nike running and that entails also the, the app, but, uh, the, the way I look at it is, is, and I, I kind of have a, a interesting job because I get to float around the entire sport. So I could be writing, you know, the training for one of the plans, um, that we have globally, or, um, it could be writing scripts for any of the guided runs that we have inside the app could be sitting down with the product team and talking about, you know, the new peg. Uh, or a marketing team and talking about, you know, how to, you know, talk to the athlete at the start of the year um, in a way that makes sense. Um, so there's, it's, there's a lot. And then there's live events. So it could be helping out an event where, you know, you're talking to elite athletes or talking to a high school team at NXN. Um, so it's, it's all over the place, which I think for some people, that they don't like that. They like to know I'm going to do this today and then I'm going to do that, but I like it. I just want to be involved in the sport. So that's, yeah. that's, what's, that's, what's most important to me. If it's, if I'm, if I'm doing something that is not kind of directly related to the sport or a runner, my eyes tend to just kind of glaze over, you know, <laughs> and which zoom helps, you know, with that, cause you can pretend that you have a bad connection and like turn the screen off and, and, you know, go to the other room and, look up results or something like that and pretend that, you know, it's Zoom's fault and not yours. But yeah, it's, I'm, I'm basically involved in the sport. Well, lucky for you, this podcast is a lot about running. So I don't think you'll be too bored. <laughs> great. Great. Well, I mean, we could talk movies or books or teaching or something like that too. That would be, that would be fine as well. So if you get, if you get bored of talking about running, we can, we can go somewhere else. <laughs> no, clearly I don't because I have a whole podcast dedicated mm -hmm. to it that I do every week. So I'm probably just like you, but that, that honestly is really cool because you're literally involved in every level of sport and I'm yeah. of, of the sport of running, which it's, I'm sure it's so different from someone that has never run a step in their life to then you're going and talking to elite Nike athletes that are going to the Olympics. 
So that just must be wild, like to have to adapt to that depending on the day. Yeah, the thing that's interesting to me is um, I, I don't really see that much of a difference between someone who's really brand new to running and someone who's, you know, trying to win a world championship. Um, by the way, if, if it's noisy, it's just typical Oregon weather. We were, we were just talking a couple <laughs> of minutes ago about it. It was kind of cloudy and now it's literally hailing what, what looks like dime sized pieces of hail. I mean, this is the weirdest I feel like it doesn't, season does it ever. hail? And I feel like when I was living there, it didn't hail that much. It's this spring, it, it hails maybe every other day, every what? two or three days. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I'm trying not to read into it. I don't want to search like, what does hail in Oregon mean? So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to know. Um, but yeah, back, back to the um, question. Yeah, I don't, I don't see much of a difference because I mean, if you really think about it, that everyone kind of goes through the same thing once you start running regardless of how fast you're running it's and, and you just kind of repeat the cycle you know what I mean it's like you're you're starting out well maybe it's you're you're starting a new season or you're getting over being sick or getting over being hurt or and then you're you know you you have to do more than just run once you get to a certain point because you don't want to break down or you have a good day you got a bad day and you know it's just it's all the same I think where we get into troubles when the person who's never run before thinks that there's more uh, there's there's more space between them and someone who is already running than there already is, and then someone who's running doesn't realize that you know one of the great ways to just consistently get better is to just be incredibly humble. And that doesn't mean a lot of people sometimes hear that and they think I'm saying you know don't you know don't celebrate what you're doing as much. Or um, and I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying like you just you have to just always realize that there's always something you can do to get better and there's always something to celebrate but that's the same with everyone who's around you you know and so just remember like you, you share a lot more with the people on the trail than you don't share um so it's 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 nice sometimes to actually get to have these conversations and walk away and be uh you know super inspired and fired up and a little in awe of someone and later in the day tell somebody and they're like oh who'd you talk to today was it Elliot Kipchoge and you're like no, it was just this woman named Martha, <laughs> you know, because what she pulled off is just as exceptional as maybe what Kipchoge did. So yeah. that's a cool part of our sport. Yeah, honestly, like since starting this podcast and just having conversations with different people from different levels of the sport, like, I mean, I'm very tuned into the elite side of it, just being yeah. a former elite runner myself. But I think the most inspiring conversations I've had are with people that actually aren't in the elite side of it, because I feel like the elite side of it is kind of predictable. It's like, Okay, how'd you get into the sport? You ran through high school, you were really good and you got recruited and whatever. But the most interesting conversations I've had are with people that just randomly started running because I don't know, their husband forced them to run a 5k and they fell in love with it. Or like during COVID, they just yeah. needed something to do. Like, I don't know. It's just very cool to see uh, the different levels of sport. But then also like touching on what you said, I kind of look back at my running career and yeah, I guess not that much changed from when I first started running until I stopped running. Like when college was over and everything like the cycle is exactly the same it just yeah I guess you just learn more about yourself and what works and what doesn't but <laughs> I don't know yeah just all like the same yeah the but physical side more. yeah the physical like the, the physical things may change in terms of like how far how long or how fast and then sometimes the purposes change but if you strip those away like I bet if you look back and you played around with some of your interviews 
okay, with, with some of the athletes you've had and you stripped out the numbers and you just talked about like a really great run or a great race. And then you have someone who's on their 11th run ever and you take out the times and the distances and you just have them describe a great run. They're gonna be really close. And if you talk about like a really hard run and you strip out the times and the distances and the pace of that person on their 11th run and the person who you know, just qualified for the Olympics, they're gonna sound the same. Yeah. Like I didn't feel good. I ate too close to, you know, the run or it was really humid out, or I don't know what was going on. I felt great yesterday. I felt terrible today, or I just really didn't feel like doing it. And I mean, it's the same things and it's the same on the other side too, which is, you know, I was struggling and then I got my second win and I got in there or I, you know, I got onto her shoulder and I just like grinded this one out. Next thing you know, I was, you know, 400 meters in the finish and suddenly I had something or, you know, it's the same stuff the only difference is the time on the clock for the most part so it's so funny I feel like running is such a simple sport but people can also make it so complicated like once you get to the really elite side of stuff I mean then you have more technology and stuff integrated into it and money's involved and everything but yeah like you said it's just the same yeah situation running is really simple runners are very complicated I mean, and I think that's kind of the the way you got to look at that because the the human component is is what can trip you up a little bit because we all are all all different. Like on paper, it makes sense. Like, well, if I run this, then I'll run this and then I'll run that. It's like, well, did you get in an argument with your boyfriend or girlfriend last night? Because suddenly that changes everything. Yeah. You know, did you get a terrible night of sleep? You know, are you dealing with you know, getting over being sick? Are you, you know, just nervous because of what's going on in the world? Like all of this stuff comes with you to the starting line. And I think that's where running to me gets very, very interesting, at least from a coaching perspective. It's like, if you, if you take the entirety of the human being you're working with and you say, okay, let's, let's work with the running and have the running work with you. That's, that's coaching. I mean, that's real coaching. It's not ignoring the human side of the athlete. It's, not ignoring the human side of the athlete because if you do that that's that's how athletes get hurt or worse that's where they uh learn how to hate the sport as opposed to love it yeah i want to talk about how you got into coaching because i was (laughs) stalking your bios and just learning more about you so you ran at unc that's correct right and then you ran for um oh gosh the farm team what was that what was that yes the nike farm team which was the precursor to otc elite okay that's what i thought i was like trying to connect the dots but it was based in palo alto based in palo alto yeah and it was it was started by jeff johnson who was employee number one at nike and then vin lanana took it over and then uh gags was the coach um and then what happened in 2000 i believe it was six or seven uh, lanana had gone up to oregon you know, and uh, he asked Gags to bring the farm team up there. And the farm team basically became the the original group of the OTC elite. So there was obviously already OTC, but this was that OTC elite team that eventually went up there. Um, I had stopped running in 2004 uh, for the farm team, but they moved up, I think, two two years later. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I was trying to connect the dots because I knew how, I knew they were somehow connected, but then I I couldn't figure it out. But that's, that makes a lot of sense. So then where did you go after you stopped um, running professionally? Um, I moved to North Carolina. My wife's from North Carolina. And we had uh, two of our three kids at that point. And I moved back and I was, I was working in uh, finance 
at the time. So when I was running for the Nike farm team in Palo Alto, I was working in finance because I was like a, I was a really good B heat. I was a good B heat runner, you know, like okay. heat two. I was a really good heat three runner, you know, <laughs> like that was, that was heat three. I'm going to be up there battling for the win. If I'm in heat one, I'm rabbiting. You know what I mean? That was like, that was, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting paid, but not, yeah, to no, I'm not even, I'm not that good. I'm not getting paid to wrap it. It's <laughs> just, if you want to run in the seat, you know, the seated heat on Saturday, you're rabbiting something on Friday. That was where I kind of stood in the order of importance by the okay. coach, you know? So I was just happy I was entered in the race at that point. So, um, but I was working in finance, which worked out well because practice was at three, the market closed at one. I, I didn't like the job, but it, paid the bills, you know, which is what almost all of us were working at the time. It was maybe one or two people on the entire farm team that didn't work and only ran. So then I moved back to North Carolina, worked in finance, uh, still did not like the job, um, but there was an opportunity. Eventually every year I would send an application, a, a resume back to the high school that I went to, um, even though I knew there were no history jobs, but I would just send it in there just like, you know, if there is, I keep sending you these resumes year after year after year, but nobody quits teaching history. It's like the greatest job in the world. <laughs> you sit around telling, you know, telling stories. This is, this is not a terrible job. So, but I was um, working a high school cross country camp, uh, which tells you how much of a nerd I am. I mean, my vacation time, I'm working a high school cross country camp in the woods. Yeah, wait, which uh, camp is it? This was the, this is back in the day, it doesn't exist anymore. It was, oh. the, it was the Colt cross country camp, um, which was run by my old high school. And then my wife and I took it over eventually. It was Bennett running camp. But uh, so I was working that in late August and I got a call that someone left. And could you be there in like two days to, to interview? And uh, I was already in Pennsylvania. We were living in North Carolina. The school's in New Jersey. I called my wife, I said, can I go do this? Can I go do the interview? She said, yeah, go do it. Went up, had the interview. They offered me the job. I, I said, just give me a minute. I went out in the hallway, called my wife and said, they just offered me the job. Can, can I take it? She said, yes. Hung up. I said, I'll take it. And suddenly like, you know, I'm on cloud nine now I'm walking to my car. And I probably realized it around the same time my wife did that neither one of us had asked how much it paid. We, it oh, was gosh. just, <laughs> So I was going from finance to teaching and coaching at the high school level. It was a very significant change. In yeah, favor. see, that's what I was wondering. I was like, how, I mean, it, that must just be a big passion of yours. If, you're gonna, the, if yeah. you're gonna leave a finance job to become yeah. a teacher. Yeah, it's, it was, uh, it also tells you probably how good I was at finance. Um, <laughs> that, but it was, the, it was the greatest job in the world. And you just find ways to make it work. I mean, mm -hmm. My wife and I started uh, a sleepaway cross country camp. We had two weekly cross country day camps. We had two weekly track and field day camps. We put on races, we put on clinics. I mean, you just, there's a difference between being exhausted, doing stuff you hate, which a lot of people go to work and they don't like their job and they're exhausted. And then you have people who love their job and they work their ass off and they're just as exhausted but they're exhausted for different reasons and it's a much nicer fatigue yeah and you're satisfied as opposed to just resentful at the end of the day that like part of my life is being robbed by doing something I don't like to do so 
it's uh it was 365 days a year it was year round and loved every minute of it doesn't mean it was easy but i loved it our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too that's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Do you have any advice for people that like want to take that leap? Like maybe they do hate their job, but then they just feel stuck. Yeah. I think, I think if, if you know what matters to you and you're being honest with yourself, you're, you're not going to regret making less money. You know, I mean, you just have to decide what, what matters to you. Like we didn't, we, we went away after the sleep away cross country camp um, in Southern New Jersey. And that, that was our trip every year. That was it. It was like three days at the beach with our kids. The rest of the time, like you just, you're not going on trips, but we also don't hate eight hours of our life every single day, you know? And I had done a job I didn't like for seven straight years. So the idea of working really hard and being tired doesn't mean you're never frustrated. It doesn't mean you have bad days or don't have bad days. It's just, if, it, if this is really what you want to do, you make it work. And suddenly those... I always say this, and it's the same thing I, I think with runners, with new runners or someone who says, I, I think I want to run in college or I want to run post-collegiately and I'm afraid of the sacrifices. If you're sacrificing for something you care about, you should end up with more after the sacrifice. If you're sacrificing something and you're ending up with less, then something's off. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, because there are, there are always going to be things in your life that you're going to have to make sacrifices for. But if it's a worthy sacrifice, you end up with more of the good stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Maybe you end up with less time, but there's a little bit more joy. Or you yeah. end up with less money, but there's way more satisfaction. You know what yeah. I mean? It almost so doesn't even seem like a sacrifice in that when you're making no, the right one. It's definitely like not. Yes. Well, you're never sacrificing the good stuff. I mean, yeah. that's what's important. Yes, you may, you may be sacrificing a Friday night, you know, because there's a long run the next day. But there's a lot of joy that you experience of, you know, that long run with your friends or, yeah. you know, feeling good in the morning. You know, there's a lot of good stuff. Sometimes we always focus on what we're giving up and not what we're getting in return. So 
Yeah. I like that a lot. So you, you were coaching at uh, Christian Brothers Academy, right? And yeah. To your bio. Yeah. Yeah. CBA in New Jersey. Yeah. That's like pretty legendary school. How long were you there for? I was there for seven years. So okay. I started in uh, the fall of 2007. Okay. And I was there until spring of 2014. Okay. I remember, I remember your team at NXN. Yeah. <laughs> so me and my team made it two years, 2010, 2011. And I remember the Lincroft boys. Yeah. I don't really remember that much about them. I just remember interactions with the they team. were yeah good those were those were good teams yeah and it, we were uh it took a couple years to kind of get where we wanted to be but then uh in 2010 uh we finished fifth and we won in 2011 and then we were fourth in 2012 and we were second in 2013 so it was nice it was it was different groups of kids each time yeah and uh which is always exciting you know because there's always new athletes like oh my gosh this is incredible because you know you it's important to remember that you know especially when you're when you're running at a, at a high level or you're doing anything at a high level you can forget that this is not normal and I, I I try to stress that I tried to stress it a lot when I was coaching high school like you know I know this is kind of your peer group but just remember this is some rare air Mm -hmm. And especially at something like NXN, which is, you know, obviously Nike cross nationals, you know, everyone there is used to being extraordinary, but that's not normal. And you, you can, there's, there's some benefits to that because you have expectations that are very high. You, you know, you're willing to work hard, but sometimes you can forget to take a moment and look around and say like, wow, what I'm doing is extraordinary and my expectations are really high and the competition is really tough and you start ending up beating the crap out of yourself or not taking the time to say holy shit like this is amazing and yes it's amazing it's a wednesday and what you just did was crazy most kids are not out there running as far or running as fast or running as consistently you know or having these types of goals on their on their wall and and most of these kids are not beating themselves up when they get second or they get third, you know? So it was nice to have different groups of kids going through and being able to teach them. Cause I think that's a, that's an important lesson to, to take. If you've competed at a high level to just remember, like, that's not how life is supposed to be at all times. Yeah. You know? I completely relate to that. I remember when I went to NXN, like I've been running competitively since I was like eight and I went to NXN my freshman year I got 52nd and I thought that was like so incredibly awful like I just yeah. remember finishing the race being like that was like the worst race ever oh my gosh I just got demolished and I was literally like 13 years old racing against mm -hmm. I look at the results now it's like I'm just all these like pro runners that are around me and yeah. I'm like and it's just so crazy because the perspective that you have when you're running at that level is just I don't I guess you're just never satisfied but I guess from your perspective as a coach watching these um, teams of athletes going through and being pissed if they get, they get second place. How do you, how do you kind of make them feel better? How do you kind of like ground them, I guess? Well, yeah, that's a great question because I, I would get asked by coaches, what's the hardest part about NXN um, or racing at an event like NXN? And I would say it's context. I said, but it was, that was what I would stress more than anything was telling, let's say the fifth runner, Okay, okay, at the 1K, you're gonna be in 150th place. Like that's where you're supposed to be. 
And then at 2K, I want you here, and at 3K and 4K, 5K. And at the end, you're going to be in about 100th. And if you can finish in the top 100 anywhere, 96, 97, 95, that's the greatest race you've ever run. Not, don't, don't tell them afterwards when they're confused, like, was that good or bad? Like, they need to know, like, 95th at this race is better than every top five you've ever had because yeah. the quality is so incredible. And if we can have five of you in the top 100, we're going to be one of the top five teams in the country. But a lot of kids don't realize that. So especially at these events, especially at the high school level, but it also happens at the collegiate level, which is why NCAA Cross is such a nightmare for so many people. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. like no one learned the lesson. Um, but if you can let them know ahead of time what an extraordinary race is, then they're not out there figuring out like, is this the worst race of my life? Because I feel like I'm running harder than I've ever run before. Yeah. So that was... And, and, I would say like, we're not going to be able to yell out your place. So you're just going to have to look. And if half the field is in front of you, you are exactly where you need to be. Now you're telling this to someone who from the age of 14 to 18 <laughs> has never been out of the top 20 in a race in their yeah, life. It's like, how much are they going to listen to that? And they, but what happens is, is you just put it in front of them and say, what's our goal? Our goal is to be one of the top five teams in the country. And if we're going to be one of the top five teams in the country, then we have to score, you know, 170 points, which divided by five means we're, you know, we're scoring 35 points per person, that's 35 team points. And you've got 35 individuals, which means we've got to average like 75th place. And if you get a hundredth and the number one kid on the team gets 50th, we're going to do that. And suddenly they're doing the math like, wait, our number one athlete's going to get 50th. And you're like, well, if they get 50th and you get 75th, we win. And yeah. it's, it's mind boggling, but then you break it down. It's like, okay, now we have a plan and we have a goal because no one's going in there for the most part thinking like, I'm going to win the race because all the kids know each other for the most part. It just gets confusing beyond like 50th place. And what's the difference between 50th and 100th? And it's only 10 seconds because it's insane yeah. how good everyone is. I mean, you know that, but that context is really important. That never changes no matter the athlete. It's yeah. always important to do that, you know? And yeah. I think- in some ways, those athletes that are not pro or were not all state, they have a sometimes a healthier view. I mean, which is why it's nice to see people like when they do a road race, if they have kind of a, a legitimate time goal, the place doesn't matter. You know, you see people, all you got to do is if you ever go to a marathon and you hang out at the hour marks, you know, where you see sub three and you see the unbelievable joy of people just breaking three and the people not breaking three, how, <laughs> how sad they are or four or five, but like that's, there's context there. Yeah. They're not saying I was 26,000th place at the Boston marathon. <laughs> I suck. Yeah. Like that's, you've never heard anyone ever say that. You never yeah. hear anyone talk about what place they were at a marathon unless they were top 100. Yeah. And no one's really even asking them. They're usually just telling you, I got 87th at the Boston Marathon. <laughs> yeah, no one's asking. I didn't ask you. I just wanted a coffee. What are you talking about? Honestly, that's like a really refreshing perspective. I wish, honestly, college coaches did that. I wish, like, sat down all the freshmen that came onto the team and were like, you're okay if you're getting 100th place in a race. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like you said, these people that are running, I mean, if you're running division one, these people are coming from, you know, their league meets or their city meets and they're winning all these races by just seconds and seconds. And then they go and they run, you know, a conference cross country race or nationals and they just get 
destroyed and yeah. you just see it in their faces like I mean people are just not ready for it yeah. and I mean I was kind of ready for it because of the NX experience yeah. I had and like other high school meets I went to just kind of getting my doors blown off um that I was kind of like expecting it but it just still is it's really unglamorous and my my college coach we won NCAAs one year and our fifth runner got like 68th place or something and she said after the race she's like there's nothing glamorous about getting 68th place at a meet but that is like what ends up deciding the the final like tally of the results like we won by one point and the yeah. 68th or 69th place is what won us the title so it and is just six, crazy but and, I, yeah, and yeah 68th is not created equally everywhere I mean yeah. 68th at NCAAs is you are a rock star yeah I mean, you are an absolute rock star if you get 68th at the NCAA meet but it's it's not just you know one that you're you're saving the athlete from massive amounts of confusion and potentially despair by by doing this but it's also just basic coaching like yeah especially in cross country times don't mean anything like they're just meaningless and and they're more meaningless when you when you start trying to use the same times on different courses like i want you going through the mile and five flat and you're like this course is not like that course what are you talking about <laughs> But positioning matters because it's your score. So it's just, it's just, I'm wildly confused when I hear coaches giving like goals revolving around times in cross yeah. country. Cause it's like, that's so stupid. Like just, you want your athlete at certain places and then sliding up at certain points based on the course on places and all that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's one, it's healthier for the athlete to, to kind of process what the goals are in a cross country race. Um, but it's also just, really simple easy coaching too yeah it's so. like how many people are wearing their watch in a cross-country race and are paying attention oh never. please <laughs> don't ever do that it just makes no sense unless you're running the same course every single week and maybe you're by no yourself sense. maybe yeah just but it's all about place so all right we yeah. just fixed cross-country i'm happy about that yeah there we, go. We, just, <laughs> we just fixed the sport yeah there we go today's episode of the podcast with coach bennett is brought to you by koros I have been rocking with the Koros Pace 2 GPS Premium Sport Watch. You guys know, if you follow me on TikTok especially, I've been using it every single day and on my YouTube videos, I've been shouting it out on there because I absolutely love this watch. I have the white one, the white Pace 2. I'm sure you guys have already seen a bunch of professional runners wearing the Koros watch. It's their lightest watch ever. It only weighs 29 grams, which means that it's not gonna feel weighed down on your wrist when you're running or when you're ripping a track workout. Speaking of track workouts, the Koros watch is by far my favorite GPS watch for track sessions. A lot of other runners highlight this as well, but it just really stands out in terms of ability to track the track workouts. It also has a really, really good heart rate monitor. And for someone like me right now, I'm slowly building up my mileage and I'm really putting an emphasis on keeping my running easy, especially after recording this podcast with Coach Bennett. I have made it an effort to keep my heart rate under 160 on every single easy run I go on. That's still a little bit high, but the Koros Pace 2 really helps keep me in line when it comes to easy running. It also is super easy to use. All you have to do is press two buttons and then you're off and running. It's really simple to also sync the watch to the app and Strava. It's just automatic and instant. The battery life, 10 out of 10. I can go for a week without charging this watch, which says a lot because a lot of GPS watches, you have to charge them every single day, but the Koros Pace 2, magnificent. Right now you can go to koros.com, that's C-O-R-O-S.com, and they gave us a discount code. So use code coldbrew for a free accessory with a watch purchase. All you have to do is just add the accessory, like a band, a charger, or 
a piece of apparel to the cart before checking out and you apply the code cold brew and you get that accessory for free with a watch purchase. Again, I highly recommend the Coros Pace 2. Phenomenal watch. Head to Coros.com, that's C-O-R-O-S.com and use code cold brew to get that free accessory with the watch purchase. Now let's get back into today's episode with Coach Bennett. Okay, well, I want to talk about your involvement with Nike because did that come right after uh, CBA or what What was the progression to becoming the global head coach? Um, no, I, it was more, it came out of just, I had, since I had a relationship in the past with Nike just for running for the farm team, when I moved back east, um, it really started, I think initially, maybe it was the first year my wife, Tammy, and I took over the cross-country camp. Uh, she reached out and said, you know, if you want to come and bring your, like, spike bus or something to our camp, go ahead. And then we were doing Sunday long runs. Um, and it, it, so myself and a, another local coach, I mean, it was, I knew from running in high school that, like, I wasn't going to do a long run in the summer. Just, like, it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> you know, on my own, it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And, and if it was going to happen, it was going to be me saying, I'll go to the beach first, then I'll do my long run, which means yeah. guaranteed it's not going to happen. So I'm walking off the beach at four, you know, sunburned and dehydrated. And all I want to do is get inside some air conditioning. I'm not going for a run. So I was like, okay, how do I get my athletes to run? I said, well, I'll make it fun. So I'll do a lot of the, the footwork for them. So on Sundays, I'll get together and I'll go out and I'll get like a bunch of watermelons. I'll get some music. I'll get some Gatorade. I'll invite another team or two, put everyone in the right groups. And when they come back, they can just hang out and they'll eat. And that turned into maybe like 30 kids. And eventually two years later, it was 300 showing up from all over like the tri-state area. And we started having college kids showing up and then parents were showing up and bringing their kids and saying, well, we'll run while our kids are running. And it just turned into this huge phenomenon every Sunday for eight weeks during the summer. And word kind of got out that there were 300 kids getting <laughs> together to do, you know, eight, 10, 12 mile runs in the summer. And uh, so Nike said, well, could we bring some people down and, you know, we can hand some shirts out, and shoelaces and, you know, can we do that? I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to stop you from handing shoelaces and sh you know, <laughs> yeah. shirts out Bachelors to the kids. love free stuff. So I said, it would be cooler if you could bring a lot of Gatorade and stuff like that too. So <laughs> they, they did that. And then it, they, it just started turning into, you know, we're going to have athlete interviews at Penn Relays. Could you come and do that? And I said, you know, as long as it doesn't interfere with are racing then yes so it was just it was one thing after another and then starting i think it was in 2013 it was it was like the 10th anniversary of the nike free so they said we want to do something in the fifth avenue store where uh it's it's based on treadmills and it's celebrating the nike free but we don't know how to make treadmills fun and i was like you can make running on the treadmill fun like how so i was like well so i wrote a couple of workouts for the treadmill because yeah, I coach in Jersey. So there's days where it's, you, you just, you can't run outside and we yeah. have a couple treadmills. You're trying to get like 15, 20 people on a treadmill and you have three of them. It's like, you got to keep it like active. You got to keep it moving and you got to make it fun because the yeah. treadmill can get really boring really fast. So I did that and it was a big hit and they asked to come back in 2014 and do it. And then I remember it was spring of 2014. I got asked to come into the city and I wasn't sure why. I just thought they're going to ask questions about something. And they said, 
we've got kind of a hypothetical for you. We have, if runners were coming into a store and they're going for runs, but there's really no rhyme or reason to what they were doing, like, what would you do with them? So I just went through like this whole process. I'm like, well, I would treat them like elite athletes. And they're like, well, no, no, they're not elite athletes. These are just like people coming in. They would just want to go run. I'm like, okay, I would treat them like elite athletes. <laughs> I said, why would I treat them like anything else? Like their, their goal is the same as an elite athlete, which is very simple. End the run better than, how, than you started in one way or an infinite variety of ways. What's the problem? So, I, and I had this whole schedule and so these different runs every day because you want to mix things up and, you know, you can drop in if you want to, you can do all seven days. It doesn't matter. You can do two out of three days. It's, it's, the point is, is whenever you show up, we're going to give you the best run you can possibly have. And that's it. So then they said, well, would you do that? I said, I, yes, I just spent 20 minutes. Like, this is <laughs> what, and they said, no, like, would you do that? And I was like, oh, oh this, so is, like a something here. this is like a job interview. Yeah. So then I just, I said, uh, yes, but I, there's a few things like I, I stand for. And if you ask me to go against this stuff, like, then I'm just going to tell, you no. and if you're okay with that, then fine. So I wrote like a couple things out on a white legal pad and they said, okay. And I said, all right, well, let me go home and discuss this and we'll figure it out. And that was, that was the start. So were you just as excited as your, uh, CBA position offering or was it just different? I mean, it was different because there was, I would say the, the, the thing that interested me the most was at that point you had, I, there's like three levels. I think there's like youth running, which is inclusive of high school. There's like pro running. And then there's like the middle and the middle is, is the most, but youth running had changed so dramatically in the previous 15 years. Like it was, when I was in high school, it was just a joke. Like it was the dark ages of running, especially in the United States. Like we were just so bad <laughs> compared to what all of you have, have made it. A lot yeah, of well, look at to, it now. Now it's completely different. Even when I was in high school. Yeah. It's another jump of, of in the last 10 years, but it's, it's, there's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, some of it was the internet and it was things like die stat and it was, you know, it was, you know, runner space. And a lot of these, the focus was on high school. So kids got to look up to their peers, as opposed to having to look up to the pros that you didn't have access to, yeah. you know, like they were just, they weren't on TV anymore and the, the streaming hadn't started yet. So it was really hard to have, you know, kind of heroes in the sport. So the heroes became each other, which is really powerful and really cool. You know, like you're inventing your own rock stars, you know what I mean? And, and then I think NXN completely changed the sport because it now celebrated the seventh runner and if you're celebrating the seventh runner, there's an eighth, a ninth, and a tenth runner who really want to be the sixth or seventh runner. So now you have 10 athletes, really, at minimum, working. And as a result, it's much easier to push from the back than it is to pull from the front. And I think one of the reasons why the sport got so good is because you had a lot of mid-pack runners making huge jumps, and that pushed the front of the pack. So I think this this kind of renaissance at, at, of high school running, that was, that was because of the middle of the pack. The middle of the pack just got way, way, way better. And then you had the pros, which benefited from what happened at the birth of NXN and, and some things were happening in the late 90s and, and 2000s. And so distance running just got really good at the top and at the young level, the youth level. The middle, nothing had changed. 
Like it wasn't like road races were getting more popular. It wasn't like road races were getting faster. And you still had, we were like this massive sport that most people didn't even know they were a part of it. I mean, you go out, if you went out today and you ran by people running and you said, do you know who? And you named 20 elite runners. Most people would be like, I have no idea what you're what talking about. What are you about. talking about? This pro running a yeah, thing? I'm not even a runner. And you're like, are you running right now? Then you're a runner. And they're like, no, no, no. I just run and occasionally do 10Ks and marathons. And you're like, what? what? You're not a runner? Yeah. So if you went to a basketball court and you saw three on three girls playing and you you ask them like who their favorite basketball player was they're gonna immediately have an argument about who the greatest basketball players are because they're playing hoops they're a part of the sport mm-hmm. with us we have this 97 percent of the people who run think they're just taking part in an activity and not a sport so to me it was i'm not sure nike knew that's what was kind of the agenda but i was like hmm if we could get people to run the right way they're going to run more if you can get them to become a fan of the sport they're going to run even better and enjoy it even more. What if we combine the two and we get people to really experience this the right way? Because it's their sport. Like if you run it, it's yours. Like, you, like take ownership of it. Have some yeah. fun. Be a fan, you know? So that was what excited me was how, how, how can I work on that? Which means there, is, there isn't a level that you're not involved in because it's all connected. So is that how the Nike Run Club came about and started, you started doing guided runs? from that perspective of just trying to, I guess, bridge the gap between everyone? That was a little bit later. It started out with just live events. So it started out with live events in New York, um, but it was the same idea. So for instance, it was getting people together. I remember the first, like it was like the first or second gathering of people. There was like 150 people and we were in Brooklyn and there was, uh, there was a race the next day. I didn't know there was a race the next day. You know, I was getting used to like who I'm working with. It's all adults now. I was just working with teenagers <laughs> and we were doing a, we're supposed to do a long run. Um, and again, it's a very different vibe because I was coaching people, you know, people that I saw almost every single day year round. And now I've got 150 or 250 people in front of me. I've never met before. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And we're supposed to be doing like a, I, I set it up. Like we'll have a, a, like a four mile run an eight mile run and a 12 mile run. And we'll get everyone in different pace groups and all this stuff. And then I said, who's someone had mentioned, like, you know, a lot of people are going to be doing the, I'm making it up, like the Central Park 10K tomorrow. So I said, oh, really? It's okay. I said, who's running the Central Park 10K? And, you know, like three quarters of the people rose their hand. I'm like, none of you are doing the long run today. And they're like, what? And like, not one of you is doing the long run today if you're racing. I'm like, you're (laughs) going there and you're going to run easy and you're not going to try to run hard. Fine. But if any of you are racing, not one of you is doing the long run today. You can do the four miler. And people are like, what are you talking about? And I just said, I went off. I was like, I could not think of something more stupid than to do a long run and then race the next day. I'm like, and that's not what we're here to do. We're not here to be stupid. You know, we're here to run smart. And it was, it was important to me that they understood, like, there's, there's reasons why you get hurt. There's reasons why you get sick. There's reasons why you wonder, like, why do I don't not want to do this anymore? And and it means I can't lie to you. Like, it's a really dumb idea to do a long run and race the next day. What am I supposed to do? Say I don't know you, so I'm gonna just lie to you? Yeah. I was like, that's not gonna happen. But at the same time, it was important to me to introduce them to things that they'd never seen before. So I remember in the spring, I was like, could we get a bunch of buses and bring people to pen relays? And they're like, what do you mean? I said exactly what I said. Let's get a bunch of buses. We'll take them to pen relays. 
We'll go on Friday. It'll be nuts. We'll talk about the Jamaica-USA rivalry. We'll talk about all of like the Arkansas-Georgetown stuff and the Villanova stuff. We'll talk about all the high school relays and the Championship for Americas. We'll get everyone to pat. We'll talk about like when you're watching somebody pass someone else, you go, whoop, whoop. It'll be crazy. It'll be nuts. <laughs> and it was, was eye-opening to so many people because they had never seen this part of the sport. And these are people who are training to run the New York City Marathon and the Brooklyn Half. And they like running but they didn't know track and field even existed. And now they're suddenly at Franklin Field and they're cheering, you know, the, the women's college championship of America sprint medley relay and they're losing their mind because it's like 200 meter runners and 400 meter runners and an 800 and they're like, what's happening? This is crazy. And, you know, is Texas gonna lose? And I'm like, Villanova's pretty good this year. You know, it's just, <laughs> but it was so exciting and so much fun that suddenly you could see their entire like, the spectrum of what running could be yeah added a few more colors to it and I was like this is this is how you get people to make it a lifelong sport that they enjoy as opposed as opposed to something that becomes tedious or just well I ran 26.2 miles check I lost 15 pounds check and it's like it's got to be about more than that it's, yeah it, it's got to be about enjoying it and having fun and sometimes sitting in the stands or along the road and cheering for other people and realizing you can run a track race yeah like I'm 40 years old or I'm 26 and I've never run before and you want me to do a track race I used to tell people after the New York City Marathon like and they would say I'm thinking of doing a spring marathon and I'd say what you should be doing is the Tuesday night races at the armory mm-hmm. and they're like what and I'm like oh yeah punk rock track and field that's what indoor track is you need to do some indoor track and people thought like that's I'm not allowed to do that like you have to have done it in high school or college and it's like why yeah get out there and have some fun. So that was kind of the, the goal was to hopefully introduce people to running the right way, running for more than just running, but also introduce them to the entirety of the sport. Brief little intermission here to talk about one of my favorite sponsors of the podcast, especially during the summertime. It is Gooder. Gooder makes $25 active sunglasses for anyone. They are lightweight, comfortable. They don't move when you run and they're all for only 25 bucks. They're no slip, no bounce, all polarized and all fun. The fact that they are polarized for 25 bucks and they don't bounce when you run on your face, that is incredible. Some may say that they're the best sunglasses ever invented and I would have to agree with that because they're $25. Really good quality, they are incredible. They have really funny names. The one I've been rocking with lately is called Posley's Basset Hound Dreams. <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. Uh, my go-to's are a ginger sole they're just like black square sunglasses i wear them every single time i go out running they're also just really cute so whether i'm on a run on a hike or i'm just running errands i'm always wearing my gooders if you have a friend whose birthday is coming up or you just want to surprise your friend with a gift because receiving gifts is their love language gooder sunglasses is a perfect gift for them so try them out and honestly treat yourself to a pair or two because you deserve it go to gooder.com that's g-o-o-d-r.com and get 15 percent off your entire order when you use code cold brew at checkout all orders over 50 bucks get free shipping in the united states that's 15% off with code coldbrew at www.goodr.com. Look good, run gooder. Now let's get back into today's episode with Coach Bennett. So why do you think like normal people, I guess you could call them, like why don't they watch pro track and field or why are they so intimidated of something like the track nights at the armory? Like what is stopping them? 
Well, track's a little different because, I mean, it, I think most people, you, you associate track with the highest level of the sport because the yeah. only time you ever see it is either you were in high school and there were kids that did it, which means you did not. Yeah. Okay, so there's already a difference. They do it, I don't. It's like a football field. If you're looking at the football field and think like the only way to play football is to put pads on and beat the crap out of each other, <laughs> then you wouldn't see so many people playing football in sand lots on the weekend. Same yeah. thing as basketball. If you think like you have to wear a jersey and it has to be five on five and there has to be a ref and there has to be a clock, then you wouldn't see as many people at the park just shooting around baskets. But you do. With running, though, there's like this disconnect. Like in, all I ever see is it on TV a couple times a year tops because i think we do ourselves a disservice to think like yes is track accessible for a track fan yes because we know where to look the average person has no idea where to find these meets they don't even know what they mean it, all you have to do is just hop on a runner space and then subscribe yeah. to runner space plus but, and then you sure. find and and yes but it's it's they don't know that exists nor is yeah. it a coherent schedule it makes no sense yeah you know it's like every other sport has a trajectory and there's there's something at the end that makes sense but I think there's that there's just a, a huge disconnect between like what they're doing is there is a there's I'm like a maybe early on a distant relative, but they find out they're actually like siblings with those runners out there on the track. Like you're pretty much doing the same thing. That's part of it. I think people just assume like I don't do that. I've never done it. It's not for me. The other part is most people run the wrong way. So they hate running. And that's all they know yeah and 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 that never gives them the chance to run enough to want to explore so what happens for most people is i mean the overwhelming majority of people who start running later on not through a team they usually start out of a negative reaction to themselves there's something like i don't like this about me i don't like that about me i'm going to start running which is a really terrible starting line starting from a negative aspect of yourself yeah. that's going to bode well for something that's really painful yeah so it's usually like i want to change this about me i want to change that about me i want less of this i want less of that and it, it you know some of it is just semantics if you just said like rather than you know I, I think a damaging way to start running is i want to like lose weight as opposed to just saying like i want to get fitter mm -hmm. what a what a much more badass <laughs> yeah view on your run like and but the next part is most people don't know how to run. So most people start out too hard. Yeah. And then they start to hurt too early and then they stop too soon. And then they think they're not enough and they suck, which if you're already starting from a bad place and then you're ending the run thinking you're not good enough. It just who, makes it even worse. Yeah. Who wants to keep coming back to that? So yeah. if you can get people to experience it the right way, really what you're doing is you're giving them an opportunity to run a next time. And that's the only purpose of a first run is that there's a next run. So then from a coaching point of view, like that's all you want to have a first run is you want the athlete to come back because you want another chance to talk to them. Like that's, that's the only thing you're focusing on. So like, if I'm talking like new coaches, like when you have like freshmen, it's like the only thing you want to do is get them to fall in love with the sport by the end of freshman year. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Like, the running they're going to accomplish freshman year, none of it matters unless they love the sport. And, and that frees up a lot of like, oh, okay, there's not that much pressure other than just make sure they're having a good time and running well. They're gonna run just fine if they love the sport. Yeah. They will work harder. 
They will take on more. They will fight longer if they love it. And I think it's the same thing with anyone else. If you can get people to experience a sport the right way, suddenly it's like, maybe I will check out that indoor track race, but they're not doing it on their second run. Yeah. It's that hundredth run, that 200th run, that 300th run where suddenly you can say, hey, I want to talk about some indoor track. And now that's the time where they're like, okay, what the hell is indoor track? (laughs) It's what you're doing on Tuesday night, Rockstar. And then they, that's, um, it's just, it's basic stuff of just how to present the sport and the order that you present the sport. But I think you got to get people to enjoy the activity first before they can love the sport. So what are, what is like something that you would say most people uh, get wrong with training, like how they approach training? They, they run too hard and they try to run too far. I mean, that's like, it's, I'll give you like an example. Like there've been times when you know, pre-COVID when we used to have groups and stuff get together and hopefully that's, that's all starting now, but, you know, I'd be working with a large group of people and they'd see a group of people run by in the distance, let's say, and if this is on Nike's campus, you know, it could be a really fast group of people. It might not be, who knows, but inevitably someone would be like, oh, I can't run like that. I'd say, you can run like that today. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 I can't. I'm like, yeah, you can. I'm like, the pace is different. And how far you're running is different, but the, all they're doing right now is they're, it looks like all they're doing is running and laughing right now. And like, yeah, but I, I can't run and laugh. Like, no, you can, as long as you don't run too hard. Yeah. But that's what they're doing. They're just not running hard. They're doing an easy run. But for most people, that doesn't exist. It's, I run really hard and I can't do anything. And what they don't realize is the overwhelming majority of their runs should be them being like, I could go way faster than this. But rather than realizing that smart running they assume it's slow running and that term i i hardly ever use the term slow running because it has such negative connotations for people i'm just like it's being smart yeah slow is always in relation to something else so if you're a slow runner that means you're also a fast runner you can't you can't only be one you know what i mean so but i think most people they start out and they assume because classes are 30 minutes long or i used to be able to do this that everything it's like I got to run for 30 minutes or I got to start by running for 5k and I got to run a pace that I used to run, or it just has to hurt. The guided runs work so well because I take the blame for everything. I'm just like, look, I'm going to ask you to run really easy and you're going to hate me for it. Or you're going to think I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm doing, but I do know what I'm doing. So you can blame me for not making you hurt. Yeah. But this is how you're supposed to run. And it's just giving them the excuse to run the right way which is what most people need. They, they literally need the excuse to run the right way because they've only known how to run the wrong way. So once you unlock that, whew, amazing <laughs> things happen. Like crazy things happen. I think I need you to be ingrained into my head when I'm running. I think I'm just only going to listen to your guided runs now when I run. It's fine. Start, because start, I need start that. anywhere. Yeah. I well, need that positive outlook. We all do. I'm kind of lucky because I, when I leave my neighborhood, I go uphill. So I'm like forced not to be an idiot, you know, like, and, and you have to, like, I I go back to like that humility thing. Like I'm not trying to be who I was when I was running for the Nike farm teams. That's number one. But what I, what you forget sometimes, if you've been in the sport for a long time or you've been running the wrong way, I forget that I used to start my runs really, really easy. It's just that again, the numbers were different on my watch. And when I go back to like, hey, we're all kind of on the same like story arc. It's the same. It's the same process over and over again. My runs, like if you were to look at just like 
a well done run by me today. It's probably shorter than it was, definitely shorter than it was, let's say 20 years ago. But if you take the numbers out, it's the exact same thing. So it started at its slowest, it ended at its fastest, but it was never fast on an easy run. It's just, I mean, if you think back to when you were running in college, the first couple of minutes of your run, what are you doing? You're yeah. either laughing or complaining with your buddies <laughs> for like 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. There's always someone in the back saying like, oh, I feel horrendous. And no one's <laughs> listening like to them. Me every yeah. time. And everyone ignores down. you. Yeah, everyone ignores you and they laugh and they joke, they complain about a test, they're talking about this person or that person. And then you kind of settle into a groove, the pace picks up naturally, no one even realizes it. No one's like, we need to drop five seconds per K. It's just naturally happening because now your body's warmed up. And by the end, if you're feeling pretty good, the pace picks up a little bit even more, but it's never out of control because that's not the purpose of the day. We're not doing a workout. We're just supposed mm -hmm. to be doing a recovery run. And then it ends. Now, if you compare that to today, well-run today, it's the same trajectory, it's just the numbers are, are different, but it's the exact same thing. I'm starting out, I'm complaining or I'm laughing. And then the conversation kind of goes, I settle in and by the end I'm running probably faster than I was at the beginning. And that's it, it was a good yeah. run. The distance okay. and the pace doesn't matter. I have a question for you because yeah. this is something I struggle with now, like, you know, post collegiately I'm run for fun. How do I not compare myself though to my old self? Like this is just a constant narrative in my head is me just, Every step I take is just so much, well, it's also because I'm not consistent because I'm too negative in my head and yeah. I'm running all wrong, yeah. but how do I just like get past just being slower than I used to be, I guess? Well, I guess if it, I guess you have to start with just what an unbelievably limited measurement of success you have, <laughs> like for running. I mean, because yeah. if you think about it, like you, you kind of have to come to terms with the fact that like. It, it really is, it's kind of pathetic that the only thing you're measuring the success of your running by is the pace. Yeah. Like, and if you go back and think, wow, like, I wonder how much better I would have run if I had some of the kind of views or measurements of success that I have now. Like, yeah. could you imagine? And I'm looking back, because I, I was the same thing when I got out of college and I actually stopped competing. I had a hard time trying to figure out what the purpose of what I was doing because the purpose for 15 years was all wrapped around how fast can I cover 1,609 meters? Like how fast can I run a mile? Like everything year round, even when I was doing cross country, we're running a 5k. It was like, it, this all is going to hopefully come back to how fast I can cover just over four laps on a track mm -hmm. else matter. And I got so much enjoyment out of running that I wasn't ever really looking at directly it was always kind of like peripheral like looking back now the stuff I miss the most is post-run legs in the steeple pit where you're just talking with the team it was the bus rides it was the the miserable runs in terrible weather where basically everybody just complains for 90 straight minutes you know it was being totally exhausted after a track workout on a warm track you know what I mean like all of these things I never really embraced fully because I was so focused on how can I run a mile as fast as I can? And knowing now I would have run way, way faster had I fully embraced just how great everything around the sport was. And if I had on those really terrible days when I was 19 and I was miserable because you know of a breakup or a bad test or something like that, if I had used running, it's like, I'm just gonna go out and just have a nice run as opposed to end shit, I gotta run 
eight miles right now yeah because i gotta get fit as opposed to being like i'm gonna use the eight mile run as just a way to just decompress and just be alone with my thoughts and you know maybe i'll actually listen to music which you know if you're running in college you're not listening to music you know, oh i hard... listen to music i listen, oh, i had no. to to keep when myself I was safe there, oh i was hardcore like you don't yeah, listen was to anything like, no distractions no distractions when it was like no go be distracted and have a run and and i think what you have to do is you I tell athletes a lot, like measure success as many ways as you can. So it's not so much that you're never going to compare yourself to what you did. I still do sometimes. And, and a lot of times it ends though with me really impressed of who I was. And I don't, and back to that point of like, sometimes it's good to take the time and be like, I was a badass. Like that was really cool. And I should be proud of myself for that. But that doesn't mean you need to beat up who you are today. And I think in some ways you can say, I'm getting a lot of stuff done and I don't have to run and I'm making time to run. That's a victory. Or I'm now running for so many different reasons where I wasn't back then. That's a victory. Like, here's the thing. I know for a fact, I'm never going to run a faster mile than I once did. Mm -hmm. I also know every day I could wake up and run the best mile of my life. So, I mean, like, it's just, I'm much more open to there being different types of success than there was, which is pretty cool. Oh my gosh. I like needed this. I needed this conversation Good. in my own. This is like completely <laughs> selfish of me, regardless of the listeners, anyone listening to this. This is my episode. Okay. I needed this today. There I'm about go. to go for a run. I'm going to have the best one ever. I'm going to do one of your guided runs. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. You are like, I literally, I think I got to five questions that I had on my like 25 question sheets. I so. ramble. It's my fault. That's the problem. No, it's, it's so good. I just, I needed this. So, um, I guess I'll, I'll ask you one more question. Do you have any advice to your younger self? I mean, you kind of just answered that, but that's a question I ask at the end of my podcast every time. That's a good question. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be your younger self. I guess it could just be to like just younger people, like my listeners, you know, the 18 to 24 year olds of the sport. Yeah, I would say it's, uh, it's, a, it's a long road and there's a lot of exits, you know? And I think... Um, you got to kind of treat it as a, as a road trip. You know, there's going to be some wrong turns and the car is going to break down sometimes and you're going to get lost and you're going to have stretches of no traffic. And sometimes you're going to be in a traffic jam and there's going to be times when you stop and you unexpectedly have the best meal of your life. You bump into someone who's going to be a lifelong friend. And sometimes you're dropping people off on the side of the road and other times you're picking them up. I mean, it's, that's the one thing that I think I was lucky because I was fourth out of five kids. And I think that's one of the nice parts of if you're, if you're a part of a number of like pretty good teams, you see a lot of ups and downs and you see a lot of comebacks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of people who maybe quit a little bit too early. And you see a lot of people who maybe didn't realize like it was okay to stop. So I, I think I was very lucky in just being around a lot of sports because sports kind of gives you the stage of life, um, which is a safer place than life. Um, but for that age group, especially, I think it's really important to just know that this is not the end of the road. It continues and it goes on. Um, and that, and that it's okay to be, uh, insanely happy and devastated. That's just, that's a part of the trip, mm -hmm. you know, and that never changes. That's, I think that is one of the reasons why I liked, I liked coaching that the level of high school as much as I did, because I'm not sure if there's a period in your life that is more dramatic <laughs> than, than 14 to 18, 
you know i always compare it to the beatles like if you look at the beatles on the ed sullivan show you know where they're just like in their suits and they got like their little mop tops and people thought like oh that's long hair and they're playing you know singing i want to hold your hand four years later you should look it up they look up helter skelter by the beatles i mean okay. they 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 look like horrifying characters <laughs> that's that's four years that's high school like a lot happens in four years and even more happens in the four years between 14 and 18 and i think that helped me a lot too because i understood like this is this is like life on fast forward you know and if they can handle it then i can handle what's going on in my life you know and and it, it also is nice uh being a coach because you realize uh when you're going through a tough time it one of the greatest tricks is is to just help somebody else which is also a running trick i mean i'm sure you know that like i used to use it if a kid was really tired in practice like during intervals i would have them help an athlete that was even more tired than them I'd like mm -hmm. okay this is what you need to do you're going to need to just take this next one they're really hurting you be with them the entire time and next thing you know they run the pace and they're yelling at the athlete the whole time all <laughs> this energy somewhere it's like when you hear about moms lifting the cars off their kids like yeah we only come up with that extra strength and we're helping somebody else so i think that's the other thing like if if things ever are really really hard like find somebody going through a tough time offer them help because it gives you purpose and it feels really good to help. So that was like nine different tips. I'm suddenly telling no, myself. No, that was great. Honestly, Sorry. I think this is, this is one of like my favorite episodes I've done in a long time, maybe ever since the oh, podcast started. Great. Literally let's start years. with ever. I let's think, start yeah. taunting the other guests. That's, yeah, that's what I know. So this is, whoever's next week is going to have a lot to uh, that's right. you know, live up to. Well, where can people follow you? Do you have anything you want to plug? No, not really. I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm in, the Nike Run Club app, uh, and so if you want to go for a run, we've got a, it's it's the same stuff. We have some cool stuff coming out. Um, you know, it kind of all fits this. We just had a run come out called the It's Okay 5K, which is basically just for 5K. You know, I'm gonna talk to you a little about some things that it's okay. Like it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to change your mind. You know, like the runs come from a very human place. You know, I'm not in there yelling at you to sweat more is basically yeah. the point it's a conversation you know and uh so yeah I'm, I'm in there and then on instagram i'm just coach bennett so i mean it's that's if, if you want to look for me that's where i'm at so amazing <laughs> well thank you so much for taking time to uh join us it was really fun <laughs> thanks for having me this was great and keep doing what you're doing you know this is it's a great sport and uh what you're doing when you share the sport you save it so just keep keep doing what you're doing it Thank means you. a lot to a lot of people. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I know right after I recorded this episode, I went and ripped an eight mile run and I haven't run eight miles in months. So I was feeling good and I hope you guys were motivated after this episode. Maybe you go download the Nike Run Club app and listen to one of his guided runs because he is truly an incredible coach and obviously has a lot of passion for the sport of running like most of us that listen to this podcast so don't forget to rate and review the podcast on apple podcasts it's a free way to support and it seriously means the world to me when i read your guys's reviews i cannot believe how many people listen to this podcast a lot of the time and it means the world when someone either comes up to me in person and tells me that they listen to the podcast or they leave a review on apple podcast and just 
say how much they enjoy each episode. I cannot tell you how much it motivates me to continue doing the podcast and just how much I appreciate your guys' support. So thank you all so much for listening and I will catch you all in the next episode next week. Peace out, fellas. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.